Nothing like seeing everybody high-fiving each other. My name is Neely McQueen. I'm one of the student ministry pastors here. Yeah. And you've heard it mentioned a couple times, but just to clarify, this is Student Ministry Sunday. We have taken over in here today, um, but we love this opportunity to kind of show you what we do every Sunday down the hall and just give you a little glimpse into student ministries. I've been working with students for 20 years now. Um, yeah, I started when I was five, so it's been a really great, great 20 years. But um, so much has changed in 20 years that I've been working with students. 20 years ago, um, MTV, music, television. Weirdly, that's what was on MTV, was music videos. Like you could turn the TV on any day, time of day and it would be music videos. You just catch it, catch up on a few. Today, MTV is instead, I don't even know if there is music on anymore, instead it's masterpiece theater material here. I'm talking uh, My Sweet 16, Catfish, Are You the One, and Jersey Shore, like super classy TV, right? Um, <laughs> phones, phones have changed. When, 20 years ago, phones were attached to a wall, right? And you like picked it up and you went right? And then if you wanted to have a private conversation, you had to pull that cord, you like pulled it all the way down into like the bathroom and cl close the door so you could have a private conversation. I remember how excited we were in our house when phones went cordless. We were like, oh yeah, we can move sort of far. You know, like it was amazing. It was amazing. But now phones are everywhere and everyone has them. In fact, my fourth grader thinks it's a total injustice that they don't have a phone. They're like, what everyone does, you know? And you don't, here's the crazy thing, is you don't even use a phone for talking anymore. Like all you do on it is like research information, look up random facts, find out what the weather's gonna be, um, calculate complex equations, that kind of thing, or send photos of yourself throwing up a rainbow. I mean, it's a variety, but phones are everywhere. They're everywhere. And then the internet. 20 years ago, we were fighting for a free AOL CD 20 years ago. That's what we were fighting for. And the internet sounded like this. We are connected, right? the best sound. It was the best sound. You felt like you had victory when you heard that. But now the internet is totally different. It's different. In fact, now we're fighting for free Wi-Fi. We just want to, where can I get, I'm only going to a place that has free Wi-Fi. And the internet sounds like this. That's right. There it is. Seriously, the world has changed so much in 20 years. But working with students, I've noticed something about teenagers that has not changed. Every teenager I have ever met wants to be loved, to be accepted, to be known, and to know that they belong. Actually, every one of us, right? Young and old, that has not changed. Every one of us, me included, we want to find a place where we are known, we are loved, and we are accepted for who we are, and we know that we belong. That's, that's across the board. That's why clubs start. That's why people started clubs. And the crazy thing is there's literally clubs for toddlers to clubs for... There's clubs for everyone. Any kind of thing that could be a club potentially maybe is an interesting niche, it's a club. When I was in high school, and I was a senior in high school, a bunch of my girlfriends and I, we started a club called the SSS, 
And the SSS was seniors seeking sophomores. And here's what this club did. Basically, this was a club meeting. We would lean up against our lockers and we'd watch the sophomore boys go by and we'd be like, oh, you looking good. You got potential, couple more years, you got things happening for you. It was amazing. It was an amazing club. Here's the deal, it turned out to be prophetic because when I was in college, I started dating my husband when he was a sophomore and I was a senior. What? I mean, and you're like, wait, is she endorsing older women dating younger men? Yeah, I am. <laughs> and as the SSS says, keep it legal, right? That's our motto. So, you know, everyone wants to belong. Everyone wants to belong. But here is the problem. Here's what I see the problem to be, is that we are moving, we are living in a world that is so fast-paced that we don't spend enough time anywhere to feel like we belong anywhere. We're just moving so quickly. And then when I talk to my friends who are curious about church but don't go to church at this point, the thing they say the most is they feel like when they go to church that they're the outsider, that they don't belong. And to me, that's a huge problem. Because each of us, all of us, we have this deep wiring to belong. And this morning I want to spend a little time talking about three statements that I think could be the answer to that problem. And I think they're the answer found right here in the church. And that's why we work so hard in student ministries to build our youth ministry around these three statements. And these are the aspects of belonging. The first one is the hand, it's in your handout, it's the first fill-in, it's this, all are welcome. I've been working with uh, Pastor Roy for over eight years now, and I've heard him say countless times to our students, you can belong before you believe. I love that. You can belong before you believe. Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in Atlanta, he says this about churches. He says that churches should be the safest place for students to talk about anything. And both of these statements, they kind of require us to create a place that says, listen, you belong no matter what you believe or no matter what you say. And to create that kind of space, to make this a place where we can say all are welcomed, we have to be willing to say that no matter where you come from, what you do, you belong. And I believe as Christ followers, we can make that statement. We can make it with confidence because of who Jesus is. When you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was constantly saying all are welcome, all are accepted. Even the ones who it appeared did not belong, Jesus was bringing them in. So not only did his life and his ministry show us that, but his words did. After his resurrection and before he ascended into heaven, he said to his followers, he said, you'll be my witnesses. He said, in one translation, it says, you'll bear my witness. You'll look exactly like me. Your ministry will look like mine. And that will be good news. In fact, Acts 1.8, this is what he says. He says, here's the knowledge you need to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses first here in Jerusalem, then beyond to Judea and Samaria, and finally to the farthest places on the earth. The church is sent. We're sent to be uh, witnesses of Jesus and his good news, the message of hope, of love, acceptance, of belonging. That's an invitation to everyone, everywhere. And part of that sending is when we open our doors on Sunday morning, when we open the doors and we say to people, you belong here, come on in. 
We, we can say that. We can say, come on in. You belong here. We have good news to share for you. We have, we have love and life and an invitation for you. There isn't one person excluded from belonging here. Every Sunday we say, we get up here and someone says, we're so glad you're here. And we say that, we say that with confidence. We're glad that you're here. And it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter where you were 10 years ago. It doesn't matter where you are, were 10 months ago, 10 days ago, and even 10 minutes ago. You belong here with us. One pastor said this about his church. He said, the church is called to be a welcoming committee, not the managers of the guest list. The invitation in scripture is to everyone, everywhere. So we stand at those doors and we say, come on in, come in. We don't stand there with a list making sure their names are on it. That's the church that we are. And here's the interesting thing. When you look at scripture, uh, you can see that humans, the people, have always been the one that have struggled with that. We've always been the one that have been a little bit behind on this. But Jesus and God and the scriptures over and over remind people that all are welcome, all belong. Now, I want to get a little practical here because I think in order for people to feel like they belong, and that's besides just hearing us say it, is it's going to require us to slow down. On Sundays, we rush in and we rush out. Maybe we need one of these little signs in the hallway just to remind us, slow down. Don't be in a hurry. See people. Look at them. There's opportunities to connect with people. Have a conversation with someone. Let them know they belong. Meet somebody new. Reconnect with someone. The other thing is our nonverbals matter. Making eye contact with people is okay. We're so prone to look down or look away, but looking at people and smiling. Smiling is huge. I learned this a few years ago. I was telling my husband, who is the kindest and sweetest person ever, but this moment I'm going to tell you about is not one of his shining moments, but I was telling him uh, that I was having a hard time making friends at our kids' school, and I felt like I, like, didn't know why. It's like, I felt like people were, like, avoiding me, or I didn't, I didn't understand what was happening. I just could not make friends. And he said, you know, um, I've seen you when you've picked up the kids, and I need you to, he's like, <laughs> I'm trying to say it as friendly and lovingly as possible, but it just, uh, there's no way around it. He said, um, but you are, like, in such a hurry, your smile is kind of saying to people, I'm better than you. <laughs> and I was like, can a smile say that? Like, that does not, so he's like, it's a little smirkish, and you're, like, judging them. I'm like, oh, Lord, that's horrible. And then he's like, here's what you need to do. You need to show more teeth. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So I literally, the, now I, like, come up to where I'm going to turn to go to school, and I'm like, everybody like so good to see you like it but weird it worked <laughs> turns out my husband is right sometimes <laughs> so um that's the reality that we live in it's like everybody wants to belong and we need to communicate it and our verbal non-verbals matter our pace matters it all matters to communicating that people belong. So slow down. Take your time. Don't be in such a hurry. Don't be in such a hurry. One place that I feel like people should feel more welcome than anywhere, one place where I feel like people should say, I know that I belong, is right here in the church. 
And here's something I've learned in student ministries, and I think it's true for adults too, is that when you feel welcomed, when you feel like you belong, that you're accepted, that you're not judged, it's only then that you're able to hear the good news. If you walk into a place and you think, I don't, I'm not, I don't belong here, people aren't friendly to me, they're not welcoming to me, it makes it so hard to hear the good news. So it matters. In fact, I found this note from a student to a leader, and it said some of the things they said I thought were so interesting. They said, thank you for accepting me at all costs. I'm really glad that I met you. And now I have someone, I'm happy to say that I have someone I can come to for any advice. I feel comfortable around you, and so I'm ready to grow. Can you hear the statements there that says, you accepted me, you welcomed me, and because of that, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable to move to the next level of belonging. And the next aspect is this. It's in your notes. It's by faith, not by works. I love the book of Galatians. It's this book that Paul wrote to a church that was kind of being swayed by other, others to believe that they had to like do certain things to belong. And by do certain things, I mean get circumcised. So... Um, Welcome to youth Sunday student ministry Sunday right there. Like, we're just bringing it here. But they were pressured to be less and not more. And this dilemma arose, arose between the Jews and the Gentiles. See, these people were two different people group. And one felt like they were on the inside, and one felt like they were on the outside. And one thought that belonging meant that you had to follow a certain set of rules. And the outsiders, they were like, how do we get in? How do we get inside? What do we need to do? What rules do we have to follow in order to belong? But Paul spends the entire book, the whole book of Galatians, trying to communicate to the believers there that following the law isn't the key to salvation. It's about faith in Jesus, about trusting in the work of the cross, about believing that Jesus offers us a free gift of grace. Anything other than that is just not good news. Here's something Paul said in Galatians 3. He said, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. Do this for me. Underline this statement. This way of faith is very different. It's very different. See, when you try to save yourself by living by the law, you only realize one thing, that we are unable to do that. That we are unable to live perfectly in such a way that we would save ourselves. But take heart. Take heart, Paul says. Take heart. Because it's not about your, your works. It's only about your faith. It's only about your faith. The law cannot save you, but your faith can. It says in scripture over and over that faith is what makes a person righteous. Faith is what gives a person life. Take heart. It's not your works. It's your faith. And when you believe this, when you start to fully trust in faith that Christ has saved you, something happens. And a few verses later, Paul says this. 
So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, faith transforms us. It moves us into something deeper. It moves us into a deeper level of belonging. And that's the third fill-in, which is this. It moves us from friends to family. From friends to family. And over and over through scripture, throughout Scripture, we see this imagery of us having faith, and then it makes us part of something bigger. And in this passage, Paul's saying, listen, it doesn't matter how different we are. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're a slave or free. It doesn't matter even if you're a male or a female, because that is no longer your defining status. That is no longer the thing that defines you. What defines you is that you are now one in Christ and you are his children. My husband, here, who is a pastor here also, he's in Ethiopia right now teaching and training pastors, doing some systematic theology training for them. And he was talking about this, this, the theology of us being adopted into God's family. And he was trying to explain adoption to them and what it meant to be adopted. And he decided to talk about our family a little bit because our daughter is adopted from Ethiopia. And he was telling me about how interesting it was. And this is what he sent me a little bit of an email. And this is what he said. I shared with the pastors about adoption today as one of the few metaphors for salvation and talked about how Betty is just as much our child as the boy's. We had some really interesting discussion. Many of them were so surprised that we treat her and think of her like our own child. Partly because adoption here is such a cultural challenge, but when I shared about the specific things we do to care for her and love her and that she is as special to us as the boys, they couldn't believe it. And by the end of the conversation, they were convinced. And several of them came up and they were filled with emotions. See, we're all God's children. He treats us and loves us the same. There's no difference. There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. There's no male and the female, slave, free, all one. We're all his children. And that is what happens when we become his children. We become family. And in this passage, Paul is, one, speaking about how we are connected to him, but he's also talking about how we're connected to each other. And there's lots of scriptures that kind of reference this idea. Jesus talked about being the vine and we are the branches and we're all connected to him and to each other. And Paul, in other books, almost in every letter that he wrote to a church, he used a metaphor for how we were connected, whether it was the family or the body, that we were all different, but we were all connected. Peter, who wrote books in the New Testament, also letters in the New Testament, he used this language about a nation, that we were a nation all made up of different people, but one nation. See, having faith, not works, it connects you to something bigger than yourself. And one of our favorite passages here at Overlake and in the student ministries comes from the book of Acts. And it unpacks really how you practically move from friend to family. And it's Acts 2, and it's in your outline. It says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So many practices of those who belong. And so I want to unpack, I want to look at three different practices in that passage about belonging. And the first one is this, is eat together. They shared meals, which I think is really interesting. When you look at this passage, it's got, there was signs and wonders and the Lord's Supper and they were growing and people were getting saved. And twice, the author wants us to know they ate meals together. And I think we have moved away from thinking that eating is sacred and spiritual. But I think it's quite the opposite. I think it is. I think when we gather around a table and we sit looking eye to eye, sharing a meal, something very spiritual happens in those moments. One of my favorite books I've read in the last few years is uh, called Bread and Wine. And it's from, by Shauna Nyquist. And she has this quote about the table. This is what she says. We don't come to the table to fight or to defend. We, come t- we don't come to prove or to conquer, to draw lines in the sand or to stir up trouble. We come to the table because our hunger brings us there. We come with need, with fragility, with an omission of our humanity. The table is the great equalizer, the level playing field many of us have been looking everywhere for. The table is the place where doing stops, trying stops, the masks are removed, and we allow ourselves to be nourished like children, We allow someone else to meet our needs in a world that prides people on not having needs or going longer and faster, on going without, on powering through. The table is a place of safety and rest and humanity where we are all allowed to be as fragile as we feel. See, sharing a meal, something happens when we come to the table together. Something sacred happens and we, we look together, we, sh- we, we have this conversation, and some of you are like, this is, it's too much, it's a little too much. I'm, there's something about inviting people into my house, it's overwhelming. And I just want to encourage you, I want to encourage you that maybe you're missing out. You're missing out on a couple of things. Maybe you're missing out on just being willing to say, do I still belong together? Do we still belong even in my imperfection? Even in my imperfection? And maybe that's the point for us to admit that to each other. Admit that we are both uh, broken and we are hungry and we are longing for belonging. And maybe that only happens at the table. I would encourage you to maybe push through some of those insecurities and consider sitting around the table and sharing a meal. The second thing is they grow together. So they eat together. They grow together. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were growing. They were learning. And here's what we've realized with students. Um, when we work with students, we've realized that, the, that most of the growth happens when we put an, a caring adult with a couple students and they open the Bible together. There's something that happens in the context of relationship. They're growing more in relationship. Now, I think it's important to read your Bible on your own. I think it's important to pray on your, your own. But there's something beautiful and sacred that happens when we do that together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called Life Together, and he says this, that it's only being, in being alone that we learn how to live in true community. And it is only in true community that we learn how to be alone. So they need to go together. There needs to be growth on our own and then growth together. 
They're essential to who we are as part of a body, as part of a family. And that's, that's a big reason we make a big deal about life groups. Because life groups are where we get together, we, we sit together, we open God's word. And something happens to our faith and something happens to our belonging. So we grow together. And the final practice is this, is that they serve together. And some of you are like, wait, okay, so have a meal together. That seems I can do that. Read the Bible together, great. Those are both sort of, feel sort of easy, but now, Neely, you kind of took a bummer turn, and you said we have to serve. And I'm not sure how I feel about it anymore. But here's the deal is when you understand your deeper level of belonging, you understand how important you are to the body and to the family. Now, Paul talks about the church being a body, so let's talk about our physical body. If one day, suddenly, your hand stopped working, you would go to the doctor right away. That would be alarming to you. And I I realize that our bodies don't always work perfectly, so we've learned to adapt. Our bodies learn how to adapt and work when one part isn't working the way it's supposed to be. That reminds me of the church a lot. Like, I, I don't think we're all operating and serving how we should be. And so the church has adapted, and we figured out how to, to do what we need to do, but really we're not working like we were, were created to. Or the same thing goes with our family. Uh, the family, in our family, we say that everybody serves. Everybody contributes. Uh, everybody does a chore. It's not a punishment. It's, you know, not even really for money. It's just that's what happens. Every, if you're a family member, you contribute. That's our motto. Everybody contributes. So we, we, we understand that serving isn't something we just check off a list. It's something we do because we belong. There's an interesting study about teenagers um, that shows that students who, teenagers who have learned uh, the importance of serving and then given the opportunity to serve in the church are less likely to walk away from their faith when they go to college. So it's interesting that once a student begins to understand how important they are, how much they belong to the body, it makes it so much harder for them to walk away from their faith. They understand that they're essential. And maybe for some of us, what is required is that we have to jump in, we have to serve, because what it will do for us is it will help us see how needed we are and how much we need others. In a couple months, we'll take a couple hundred high school students to Canada to our camp house, but it's literally the best camp ever. It's so great. It's the highlight. People cannot wait to sign up. Every year, we, as soon as we turn registration on, it goes, uh, fills up really fast. But when you look at houseboats and what it really is, is it's 20 students plus a handful of leaders on a boat who eat together, who open God's word and grow together, and who serve each other. They serve each other by keeping the boat clean. They serve it by prepping meals. They serve it by working together to come up with uh, skits and music things for competitions. They serve they, What they're doing is the church. And that's why when students are there, they're like, this is it. This is, I want to do this. This is, this is it. I feel like I belong. I understand who I am. Because camp gives them a, a little glimpse of what belonging can be. Just a little glimpse. But I really do believe that it is realistic. There is truth that we can live into that experience of belonging all the time. We can live it. 
when you know that you belong, when you trust Jesus, it moves you to this deeper level of belonging. When I was 14 years old, I was so awkward. It is, those are some of the worst, I literally some of the worst years of my life. I was so uncomfortable. I was a little uncertain in who I was. I did not have parents having some appropriate conversations with me. So I was, it was weird. I was weird. Like I can fully embrace myself as being an awkward, weird, obnoxious teenager. But my youth pastor and his wife, they invited me over to their house and they started inviting me over to share a meal on Sunday nights with them. And at the dinner table, I realized they like me. They do. They think this weird 14-year-old who probably needs some hygiene lessons is awesome. Like, how is that possible? They really, really like me. And I was like, this is so cool. So that when they started talking to me about the fact that Jesus had a plan for my life and that Jesus loved me and that he wanted to set me free from things, I believed them because I knew they liked me. And they began to encourage me to grow my faith. In fact, my youth pastor is the first person who ever told me that he, he, he sensed that God had a call on my life for vocational ministry. Because what they did is they created a place for me where I belonged. They created a place. And then by doing that, they began to show me what it really means to belong. It's in the church that I learned what it means to belong. And I'm still learning now. This morning, I hope that you leave knowing that you belong. That Overlake is a place where you feel like you are welcomed and you belong. I hope that today you begin asking the question, what is the next level of belonging for me? What, how do I experience a deeper level of it? And that, then you would have the courage to take that step. Because I believe that we are wired for belonging. And I also believe that the answer is right here. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that you love us, that you have shown us what it means to love people and to include people and to say all are welcome. God, I pray for the hearts in this room. I pray for those who feel like they don't belong. They feel like they're on the outside. God, I pray right now that um, you would, one, speak to their heart. And God, I pray then you would speak to the hearts of those around them, that they would take the time to, to make sure to communicate that they are welcomed here. And God, I pray for those who trust in you, they already follow you, they already know you, but they, they are not experiencing all that, that you have for us by belonging to the church. God, I pray that you would give them the courage, I pray that you'd give them the faith to step in to more belonging. God, we belong to you and we belong to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.